0: Hello and welcome to Blowing Cartridges, the gaming podcast where we dive into the issues surrounding gaming culture and the games themselves. I'm Brendan Tan, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Zach Clark. So Zach, uh, it's February, um, well it's really cold on my end, it's probably really hot on your end, Uh, how's the new year treating you? (laughs) Uh,
1: Good, not hot, in Melbourne at least. It was top of 17, raining and overcast today, so classic Melbourne summer but I'll be curious to also ask our, our lovely guest uh, on the show, second time, Drew, welcome back. Uh, how's the weather over where you are?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, awful. It's been like the last couple of days it's just been pelting down and we've actually had really nice weather. So even um, my wife, Chantel, she's like, is it raining outside? I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, we weren't expecting it. We are expecting a nice Australian summer. We'll, I was only sweating the other day. I think it was... Only three days ago, that uh, someone actually left their dog in the car, and uh, that uh, basically get told, oh, it's way too hot to do that. And um, but not today, you can leave your dog in the car all day, as far as uh, the weather's concerned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: My, my, just yesterday, one of my friends posted a photo on Discord of like the fire trucks getting a dog out of like a car in front of his apartment. I was like, "Oh god!" <laughs> like mm. um, <laughs> that was a uh, yeah. And luckily, they got to him, I suppose. Well, her, I don't know what what mm. uh the dog is, but uh, yeah, God, would have been bad if it didn't make it. Yeah, don't leave your dogs yes, in the uh, car, kids.
2: Don't leave your dogs in the
0: exactly. car. Exactly. Do not leave your dogs in the car. I think that is the message for today's episode.
2: Maybe they're just hoping that they're going about drive it Like, I really wonder if the dog can drive. So I have a so I have a drive or get away. Yeah, but um I don't think that's the case. I don't think the dogs can drive. I think it's only the very special dogs that can drive. The stunt drivers in the uh, on the Hollywood movies. There's a few dogs like that. Can I name them? No, but I'm sure they exist
1: <laughs> We're trying to teach our dog to um someone gave us like these buttons where you can like put a word on it, so we're trying to like give him certain things like to if he needs like to go out to go to the bathroom or whatever, he presses the button and like today he did it like perfectly <laughs> oh, this wow. morning to go outside. And all since then he's just been like stares at the button, gets scared of it. He's just like completely regressed in the space of like three hours. I was like, Buddy, you are so good this <laughs> morning. Like, what's happened?
2: <laughs> yeah. For me, like with my dogs, especially my Jack Russell, she sat when there's food. And um that's as far as her training went. That's about yeah. it. <laughs>
1: Didn't bite. Yeah, no, I, at this point, I just want him to come back to me when I call his name. He's still very bad at that. If I go to the park and let him off lead, he's just oh, yeah. like, I don't care about you anymore. I'm, these dogs, they're, they're my new friends. They're they're my new family. Um, <laughs> I'm
3: like, oh, thanks. <laughs> they
2: smell better. Yeah. <laughs> they got better food. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tam, ran us in. Love of God. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Talking about dog abandonment issues Zach how was your twenty twenty two
3: yeah
1: so you know second month what what month uh to talk about the the year that was twenty twenty two what's the twos in that in that year Probably the most twos we'll see in our lifetime in a year Oh, sure um but uh yeah no my twenty twenty two was a good one obviously uh well obviously but um no I got married, so that was obviously a big thing for me last year uh and you know, bar n- nothing overly bad happened as well, which is good. Um, work went well, so you know, for for the most part, it's a it was a solid year. Can't complain. Very nice.
0: How about yourself, Drew? Um, and also, I should say thanks again for joining us. It's always a pleasure <laughs> to have you on our podcast.
2: <laughs> no worries, a pleasure every time. My well, year was great, man. Uh, it started off basically, um, wife and I had our son, which was a, a huge change to our lives. And uh I guess the rest of the year was sort of learning and adjusting to having a, a newborn child as they're growing up, and things are changing every week, so once you'll sort of go, oh, yeah sort of get the hang of this, you know things change and they keep changing, and I dare say it's just going to keep doing that until he's twenty five <laughs> and he uh and he's a nice uh, nice nice young man, and he uh, goes off and does his own thing. <laughs> start his own podcast. <laughs> That's right. No, podcasting is going to be uh tainted forever for him. It's going to be that lame thing dad does. So, he might um he might start something else. He might start a, I don't know. He I've got him into like the drums because I, I I I like just like tapping out beats and that and I played drums in high school, so I've I got like a bongo that I got in Byron Bay when I was on holiday there a few years ago. And he loves hitting that. and He's got his own little toy drum set that he likes hitting. So, it might get him into drums or something. You never know. That might be the thing that I'd still on him. Time to send you a Donkey Konga set, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, my God. I would, I would actually love one of them. I remember seeing them because I, I didn't have a GameCube. So, when I was looking at them, you know, like 30 bucks clearance at Target, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I can't use it anyway. But, yeah, it would have been worth picking up even if 30 bucks when I was that age was quite a lot. But. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, let's not think about all the things we didn't buy because, mm-hmm. like, eh, hey, we don't need it or it's it's too expensive. And then you look at it now and you're like, oh, that's I could have, I would have made a lot of money if I wanted to if I just bought it and kept it but or anyway. just or just have it and just uh, yeah,
2: hoard well, it like a, like like a nerd we are. <laughs> you know, just all these Amiibo and everything. That's <laughs> the more practical, the more actual sense of
1: what we do. But at least we have it, damn it, and we're not have to paying thousands of dollars on eBay for it.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely, yeah.
1: Uh, Brendan exactly. what about you how was your 2022 I, I obviously have an idea but maybe the audience does not <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so I uh, I think we mentioned it pre- briefly in a previous episode or two but I moved across the world to the United Kingdom to uh, start a PhD so it's been constant busy work a lot of reading a lot of writing since uh oh September October last year so It's a new challenge and I'm finding it quite a good challenge. So I'm enjoying it, but it's all about, I guess, balancing priorities and uh, trying to make sense of my life as it exists right now. So fun, fun times ahead.
2: Yeah. Do you have a timeline for how long you're over there or?
0: Yeah. So um, I'll be here for at least three to four years and then there might be some more time after that, depending on what trajectory my, I guess, my career goes.
2: Yeah, sweet. Yeah.
0: So... Long term, I do want to go back to Australia, but we'll see. We'll see how everything pans out.
2: Might be too hot for you by the time it's time to come back. Uh, <laughs> you uh, adjusted well, that much.
3: Well,
0: <laughs> I was. It, it was quite odd in that when I came back in December, um, it was freezing cold when I left uh, the UK, mm. it was snowed the day after I left. But I got to Australia, and that was the week in Melbourne in December, where or well, in Victoria in Melbourne in December. I think it was snowing in the mountains, so it wasn't particularly a hot December. Start with anyway, so
1: yeah, you know, you might, she's changing <laughs> exactly. You might, you might need to see if you can get some aircon in wherever you live before summer, based on <laughs> yeah, you know, last time right. I went in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: exactly. So, I, I guess, sort of talking about how 2022 was, I guess, there was a lot of changes in all our respective lives, and of course, this is a gaming podcast, so we also talk about the games that came out in 2022. and how we experience those games, what we played, what we enjoyed, what we didn't enjoy. But I think it's probably worth talking about how these changes in our lives when we're all, I guess, around the same age, same generation, does impact our gaming time. Because I know that as I get older, as things change, I, I play a lot less games. I men- I think I mentioned on the music episode when we had to choose our track of 2022 that I had played about three, four games at released in 2022. So it's sort of my gaming habits have changed quite a bit i'm probably not really catching up with new releases as much as i am as i used to for example the games i played in january 2023 were games that were released many many years ago i recently finished alpha protocol which was i think a 2008 (laughs) rpg by obsidian which fantastic well i enjoyed it i wouldn't call it a fantastic (laughs) game because it has definite problems there but I guess so. In many ways, my gaming habits have become a bit more nostalgic. Yes, I do still play, um, buy new games because, well, I've subscribed to the hoarder uh, nerd mentality that you mentioned uh, just briefly um, a couple of minutes ago. But sort of that's where I'm at in my gaming habits at the moment. Uh, yeah, well, I'll talk about the games I played um, soon, I'm sure. But uh, sort of, it's a it's, it's it feels weird, I must say, that I'm not. Like, I, I know about the games coming out. There's games that I really want to play that have come out, but I always think about, well, I could play a new game or I could always just go back and play something else that I've wanted to play for a long time or wanted to finish for a long time. So, it's about, for me, it's about balancing those two at the moment in sort of in the context that I have very limited, I guess, spare time to actually play games.
2: Yeah. And I, I love that you've uh, you've come to this conclusion for yourself too because it is easy to be... Stuck in the the mindset of life you've got to, you've got to play the new stuff you've got to keep up you've got to you know be current, you've got to know exactly what's going on, to have the conversations online with people to bring back to your podcast and you know do all that but just the fact that you're just saying to yourself you know you've got limited time you're very busy you've you know shifted your life around, and you know gaming is a hobby, and you can play exactly what you want to play, and there's many good games that have already been released that aren't the newest thing so it's good that you've uh, you know you come to terms with that because i know for me sometimes it can create anxiety being like oh my god two weeks this game comes out i'm nowhere near finish this game then the next week there's something else out and it just piles on and i think a lot of this we try to keep up with outlets that do it as like a full-time job and we're taking in that content and we're in some ways trying to keep up but we're not going to keep up because those outlets would have those games two weeks ahead of time And of course, there's multiple people maybe working at those outlets or maybe it's just a solo YouTuber or something, but never going to be able to keep up, especially when you're just doing it as a hobby. So, yeah, that's something that I've been thinking about lately too. And I'm trying to keep up and also um, tackle the backlog a little bit, especially in this, this time of year where it's a little bit quieter for me. I enjoy that. But then it also dies down, you know, November and that when I'm a bit busier as well, so yeah, no, I'm glad that uh, you're playing just what you want to play, which is good. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, I guess the other thing, which uh,
1: you don't people don't talk about a lot, and I think it probably comes back to your point, Drew, is that if you're listening to, again, big outlets or people who do it as their career, it's probably not the main issue for them because they're potentially getting games for free, or uh, if they're not, they're at least a business expense so they can write it off. But gaming is expensive, uh, and... At some point, you also have to go, like, why do I keep uh, doling out money for things that I don't use straight away? Or, you know, especially if you know they're going to go, you know, you can pick them up for a much cheaper price at the point you're actually going to play them. Mm. Um, Which is, I think, been a big thing for me is like becoming more aware of like, well, you know, again, uh, Ubisoft games are a really good example. If I'm not going to play that Ubisoft game day one, I should just not buy it and wait until whenever i feel like playing it and buy it then cuz i'll be able to get it for 80% less with all the dlc that came out and uh it's going to be easy to get it'll be available it's not like a you know niche jrpg that got a limited print run that um is now going for 2 grand on on ebay or something like that right <laughs> so i think that's something and i'm sure it's something a lot of people uh around the world are thinking more and more about cuz obviously you know, we don't want to get too into Depressing topics, but it was a um, a t- bit of a crunch year for a lot of people with rising interest rates and all that kind of stuff. Uh, cost of living crisis, all that you hear in the media, but it, it is a reality. And you know, I'm sure lots of people listening or um, can can relate to that and having to make some you know choices to skip or delay purchases until until they've got the cash to do so.
0: So talking about the games of 2022, I think we've talked about our general vibes of the year and uh, I guess a bit about playing gaming habits, but, and I don't have a list in front of me right now, but if we were to list, I guess, or just briefly talk about the big games of 2022, the major releases, really the one game that does strike my mind is Elden Ring, which I can say I have not played. I actually, <laughs> I, I do really want to play it. It's on my Steam wish list and I'll probably wait for a sale as Zach said and uh get it then because I think mm. it's sort of definitely if you're not trying to keep up with the Joneses and uh, get games on release and play them there's plenty of opportunities to game on a reasonable budget but that's sort of the game I think that for me in many ways defy it was an early 2022 game but it's definitely one of those ones that if we look back on 2022 in gaming in a couple of years I think people will still be listing that as a quite an influential big release I don't know what you two think about that. proposition.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I didn't play it either. Like you, I'm waiting for it to go on sale and it really hasn't gone on sale. So congratulations to uh Fromsoft for, you know, just uh making the maximum profit there. Like that's it's deserved. But yeah, it's 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 one of those things where I sort of looked at it. I'm like, I think I'd love this game. I just I need a little bit more patience. I don't have quite the patience with uh a month old baby (laughs) <laughs> before the game right now but certainly right at my alley I just need the patience to um take down the just spend probably a week on each boss and not play anything else and I don't think that's going to happen so who knows if I ever get to it but yeah no certainly just with like how the conversation sort of evolved around it how um similar to Breath of the Wild a few years earlier how the game sort of really doesn't pull any punches it lets you discover the world and it keeps on surprising the player as they progress throughout the game and typically we're used to games that just sort of hold our hand and just, you know, want us to f- experience the whole game. And personally, I've got no problem with that because I'm not the best gamer. Or I don't have the, the best skills mm. or anything like that. So I quite appreciate that actually. Um, but it's just nice to have something different anyway with uh, Elden Ring. Yeah,
1: I um I did play it. I did not finish it um, <laughs> <laughs> or even come close. Um <laughs> I uh you know, I go through this cycle every few from games where I'm like, maybe this'll be the one that clicks very quickly with me and I, I get the hook and power through. Um yeah, it did not happen for me with Elden Ring at this stage. Uh, I think it comes back to what you were just saying, Drew, is it's you need to be in a patient mindset when you play it. Uh and I probably wasn't when I when I tried to play, you know, he had other thing I had other things on. And it's like how much time do I want to dedicate to getting good at this versus doing the other things I've got uh, in my life, or even just playing other games that I know I'll I'll power through. Like I think Kirby was probably either around the corner or just come out. I can't remember which which came first. I know which one's going to be a much quicker uh, (laughs) and chill experience between the two. But I think it's what's really impressive to me with these FromSoft games is is every like you know every few of them like particularly these tentpole ones like i'd say obviously the first demon souls when that came out dark souls bloodborne and now elden ring it's it's really interesting to see the broader base of people that find their way into enjoying them they uh, because they're, they're they are hard and i think it's it's a real testament to you know, the worlds they build and the the solid core mechanics they build that, you know, every time I listen to certain podcasts or, or, again, other media outlets, there's a new convert. There's somebody who I never would have thought would be able to enjoy those types of games. They're now like, "Nup, nah, this is best game ever. And that was, I think, really true with Elden Ring. As you, I saw heaps of people online that I never would have just couldn't have thought they'd be into this type of game finally enjoying it uh so i think that's really impressive and it's good to see you know a game where the developer is you know this might be a bit of a cam of worms but they stick to a particular vision they want it to be a certain way and they still are able to find that level of success without feeling too much of a need to compromise i know that accessibility is always a hot topic around um uh from soft games and and along that but uh and that's probably a separate discussion, but I think you know, it's more around not just saying, "Hey, here's a mode where you can make the enemies die in one hit, and you know you can just see everything without putting in much effort," and it's not yielding to that kind that level of demand, which um, which is out there.
0: I, I do have to say, on a sort of related point about Elden Ring and how it was received, is that I find it interesting how the links to George Martin kind of disappeared. In that it was hyped up a bit in yeah, uh, before on. it released. Mm. When it was first announced, particularly, it's, oh, George R R Martin is collaborating with From Software on this new game. And people were sort of freaking out about it, thinking, oh, well, some people were freaking out thinking, oh, this is going to be great. Other people were like, oh, can't you just go finish Dance of Dragons, please? I really want to <laughs> read that book that we've been waiting for for over 10 years. But it, it came out and released and everyone loved it, but no one, I, cause I, I I assume that he really didn't have that much to do with the actual development of the game or the story, or he probably just sent them a few, I guess, notes about vibe and maybe some background or that sort of thing. But I do find it interesting that at one point in time, that was a huge part of the game. And then it's sort of, no one really cares or talks about that aspect anymore.
2: Yeah, I completely forgot that he was involved in that aspect of of the game, because that was massive when it got revealed. But... Yeah, since then it's kind of died down, but I guess it's a very gameplay-first game in some ways, so that's what shines the most. That's what people talk about. Yeah,
1: I have to remember the timeline, but I feel like when the game was revealed, we were still yet... Maybe I'm wrong here. You could, I don't know if we could look it up, but was that before Game of Thrones ended or after? Because I feel like if it was before, I feel like the public perception of jr martin even though he i know it wasn't really his direction entirely with why that how that show ended but i do feel like his name got dragged down through the dirt a little bit compared to the peak mm. game of thrones hype where everyone was very very positive on him so i, I wonder if that also played a part and like oh, maybe we maybe we don't keep bringing him up anymore he's, he's actually not that big of a selling point that he was back when we originally <laughs> reached out to him
0: and the other thing I picked up from what you two were saying and I, it very much factors in for me as well is the the time aspect of playing these games in that I know now more than ever before I start a game, I will go on to um, com and see, oh, well, absolutely. if I start this game, what time commitment am I looking at? Mm. And Which is quite, um, I guess, a significant thing for me because one of my favourite genres are RPGs and JRPGs. And yeah. Unfortunately, when you, if you pull one of those off your shelf and put it into <laughs> your console or, or load it up on Steam or whatever platform you're playing, you're you're looking at at least thirty hours at the very least on one, on some short JRPGs, which are sort of the more rare ones like your Liver Lies and the like. Or if we're ta- looking at something like a Xenoblade Chronicles three, well, probably see you in eighty hours. Sort of good luck. Mm. So that definitely impacts the type of games I play and.
3: Like, I don't know
0: how I feel about that in that, on the one hand, I think having shorter experiences that aren't as big of a time slog are good, but also sometimes I find that I'm sort of locking myself out of playing particular games, which if you do break it down and sort of play like an hour here and there a couple of times a week, like, you will get through it. Like, you will get through an 80-hour game. Yes, it might take you a couple of months, but if you break it down into chunks and a lot of those games are ones that, particularly longer ones, you can kind of pick it up, play for a little bit and put it back down and pick it up again in a day or two. So, mm. it, yeah, that's just something I've been thinking about.
2: Yeah. I've, like, the start of this year in particular, I've really been focused on, like, how much time I can put in a week and what I can beat in a month and stuff like that because I've just started Persona 5 Royal, So, that is, like, the epitome of a long-ass <laughs> game. And my my idea is to beat it by the end of this year, and you know you work out if you put in, uh, say five hours a week, so an hour alongside whatever else you're playing, like during the week, you get your twenty hours a a month, and that that stacks up towards the end of the year. So that's what I'm sort of focusing on is just like utilizing my time to my best ability as far as like my gaming time, so I can actually finish some of these bigger games because. Typically, this is what I've done in the past. I look at Persona 5 and I'm like, it looks awesome. But the time just puts me off straight away. But if you really want to play it, I guess you'll get through it eventually. So that's my goal anyway.
1: Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, I I certainly do, like everyone these days, Yeah, do look up the How Long to Beat. Um, And it has certainly influenced my choices last year, particularly with playing catch-up. Like, you know, I was looking at some of the Tempo releases I'm interested in. Uh, and I'll just use three Nintendo examples: for, uh, Xenoblade, Chronicles 3, Splatoon 3, and Bayonetta 3. Uh, and I was like. A lot of threes there. Yeah, a lot of threes. Uh, <laughs>
0: interestingly enough. You're, you're, um, you're definitely not Valve, are you?
1: No, no, definitely not Valve. Uh, so I was looking at that <laughs> and I'm like, well, I have to catch up on Xenoblade, in my opinion, before I play 3. I don't think I can. Like, I know people say, particularly Nintendo, will say you can play 3 without playing the other 2 feel like that's true (laughs) but you're going to enjoy it a lot more if you play the other two and similarly i wanted to catch up with splatoon i hadn't done the octo expansion from number two uh, and then with bayonetta i hadn't finished number two Uh, and i was like well i'm either going to catch up and maybe play one xenoblade game or i can finish octo expansion and bayonetta 2 and splatoon 3 and bayonetta 3 yeah uh, (laughs) and achieve that so i chose that rather than finishing probably just definitive edition of, of Xenoblade. Uh, and I think that's it's a hard choice. But again, to Drew's point, I don't think I was great at it last year. I mm. The other thing I used to try and do was have like that one big game that I sort of chip away at while balancing mixing it up. You know, you're doing palate cleanses with smaller stuff. And that's like how I played Persona 5 when that originally came out. I think it took me three or four months to to really finish it. And just chipping away at it, and then I would just you know jump between that and I don't know whatever else was out that particular year. Because otherwise, you're right. There's just no way of getting through a, a big RPG without either. It's weird to say, but you can you can burn out a little bit if you're like you feel like it's the thing holding you back from other games that you also really really want to experience. Mm,
2: yeah, certainly. Because uh what was it like for me? Like I looked up um after I beat Atelier Riser uh, last week. I'm like, all right, I want a bit of a palate cleanser because I'm going to jump straight into the sequel because the third game's coming out later this year. So I'm like, all right, what, what should I get into? I'm like, oh, Toem. I've been wanting to play that for a while. It's on my uh, like PlayStation menu, it's been there for months. <laughs> and uh, how long's that to be? Oh, about four hours. Beautiful. Like a nice, just one session, sit down, do the whole thing, have this nice, conclusive experience just in one night. And, um, you know, allows you to jump into, it, like, a bigger game the next night. And it was just really nice. And uh, f- for me, like, in some ways, it, it can get a little bit daunting, I guess. You're just you sitting there and you put all these times together. You're working them out in your head. You're like, all right, I want to play through the Bayonetta series. That's 30 hours or 30-so hours. Wouldn't mind playing Mass Effect. I better play all three of them. Oh, shit, that's 200 hours. Then uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just, like, snowballs from there. It's like, you just got to take it. Uh, like a little bit at a little bit, I guess, so it's not too daunting like anything in life. Because if if your boss came out to you at work and said, all right, mate, you've got uh, 300 hours of uh, this assignment or whatever to do, uh, have fun with that, mate. It's like, well, shit, it's not fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that work example is interesting on as well because I'm sure a lot of people who have uh, varying tasks in their job uh, can probably relate because how often do you just go and go, I'm going to do these 10 small tasks that are really easy rather than the big one. I'm just going to keep putting that off until it's probably too late oh, yeah. and I should, yeah. have, uh, should have gone it and done it. Oh,
3: <laughs> mm.
0: well, exactly. And I think it's a good example in that it's how we just described how we're approaching these games in that, well, you figure out I have X amount of time in my day or in my week to, do, to play games, to do work exactly, it, it, whatever. Like this is sort of how I'm going to break it down. So it's sort of... It's probably not the most positive thing to think about how we, I guess, divide our spare time in sort of a productive manner. But I guess it is what it is.
2: You know, you're a gamer when you're doing mathematics. But all right, this is how I'm going to optimize my free time. Um, (laughs) Otherwise, you're probably just like, yeah, no, I wouldn't mind getting an old PlayStation Four, and I might play a game on it. You know, and that's as far as that goes. But we're like, all right, you know, I've got four hours to sit down before midnight. And I'm going to really optimize this time. I'm going to go to this website, figure out, uh, look, how long is this game to beat? Oh, look, maybe I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll look at a guide so I'll get a couple of hours off that time and we'll get it through it a bit quicker. <laughs> we'll put some game sharks on there too. <laughs> we'll really uh, optimize our time. We'll just watch it on exactly YouTube at two times speed. Now, that's how you game. <laughs> you hold a controller exactly just so you feel like you're actually playing something, but you're just watching.
0: Yeah, it's not, oh, I'm just going to put FIFA on for a couple of hours. I'm going to play a couple of matches of FIFA and then I'm going to go to bed. And that, like that's my gaming for the week. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're more hardcore than that. Oh,
2: God, we're hard. We're hard as anything just uh, <laughs> with, with, our, with our gaming. I tell you what, we've got the Xbox controller right here ready to go at any time. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that we're that's with our gaming and not anything else. But anyway, <laughs> no, we're not we're not Andrew. that type of hard right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not on the podcast, not no. presently. <laughs> um, and,
0: and, and that's demonstrated by that controller. I'm sure Drew is. I'm um, apparently playing Halo Infinite. No, on his um no, on his no. cool portable uh, TV rig.
2: Yeah, it's in the well. It's that's the thing. It's portable. It's in the, it's in the other room at the moment. That's the thing. <laughs> it, it rolled away <laughs> from me. That, and that's something that's actually really helped me as well, is uh, just being like, all right, um, you know, I don't want to sit in a different room to my partner. I want to wheel the TV in while she's watching whatever, whatever she wants on Netflix. And you know, I'm I'm a bit tired. It's you know eight o'clock after a big day of work, but I wouldn't mind still playing a game, laying in bed, play it laying in bed. Want to do some streams in here? Wheel it in here, play some games, do some streams, whatever I need to do. Yeah, it's been great. I think uh, that's that's something you got to think about too. Is just work out how your setup can best work for you and whether that's just a portable console or if you're just uh you know living by yourself it's fine just to have the tv how it is but for me just having that flexibility really helps especially after having the young one um i just can't have it near him cuz he'll just pull it over he'll pull the consoles off he'll <laughs> make a mess
1: <laughs> yeah i have to say i've been through the same thing last year and made a few choices to help me with that cuz Mm. i mean yeah you don't typically well most people we are not really you don't plan your your free time too much it's just kind of like you gets there and you're like what are you going to do and usually the default when you live with someone is like we should probably do a thing at least in the same room <laughs> yeah yeah uh you know sometimes you agree actually i'm going to go off and do my own thing in this other room but the default is to stick together mm. and so yeah i was like this this year uh well, last year sorry i should say you know when my pc kicked the bucket i'm like i'm not I'm not getting a, a, de- a desktop tower anymore. I'm getting a, a beefy laptop because I know nice. I can just take it downstairs. I can sit in on the couch and, and power through. Like I played, um, fraud detective three the other, the other week, um, just while she was watching whatever on Netflix and I just sat little on the couch and clicked through that for an hour or two. And it was great, you know, and that's, um, I think, yeah, you're right. Something I mean, that said, your TV setup is a much, uh, yeah. the next level. It's something I have to. Have to consider, but I've got too many. Um, well, I've got a double story house, so as you said, doesn't not quite, as yeah, convenient yeah, either. that
2: makes it a bit <laughs> trickier, yeah. For me, I've literally just got to wheel it probably 10 meters that way, 10 meters back into the bed. Like, yeah, stairs would be another thing, you would have to, uh, <laughs> you would have to have an even more elaborate setup to disconnect it all the time and whatever. But yeah, no, it's, it's great because, like, you know, last year I played well, last five years I played a lot on Switch because of that reason, and I sort of. Something clicked in me where I'm just like, I just I miss just console gaming on the TV. Like, I really miss it. Even the Switch itself. Like, I just sort of miss holding the controller and having the big screen. So, I'm like, it's one of those things I'm laying in bed. It's 1 o'clock and it just went down this rabbit hole on Amazon. I'm like, oh, huh, there's these TV stands. Then I research TV stands, research TVs, wait for the Black Friday sale and put it together. And I don't know if anybody else has done that. Everybody sort of laughed at me being like, oh, it's like one of those TV trolleys from school. I'm like, yeah, but that, does that have an Xbox Series X, PlayStation Five, and Switch on it? <laughs> I wish it did. Back in the day, that would have been cool. Just had um, was it BTN News. You guys probably watched that at school yeah. in the TV trolleys, mm. that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was behind the news, and then that's it was right. I think they then became a different name. It was like TTN then, but um,
2: that rings a bell. Yeah,
0: it was yeah, effectively same thing. Yeah, and it's still it's still running actually. Apparently,
2: yeah. Okay, yeah. No, well, I'm not watching that on my TV trolley. I'm not wheeling <laughs> that in for the kids. Like, come on. Come on, mate, I'll wheel it in and come play some Dead Space. Come on, this will be good for you. This will educate you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to the space. It's terrifying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is what's up there. A choice he might actually have to make, given his how young he is compared to anything. Compared <sighs> <baby>. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's not like that. Hopefully it's a okay. nice experience. Is it worth having a few, top, you know, just a quick chat about some of the really big, like, trending things that happened last year? Because there's... There's a few when you really sit back and think of them, and I might start. You know, some of them we have sort of touched on in other episodes, but probably the biggest has to be the still ongoing saga of the the Microsoft Activision purchase, right? That that's that's got to have been the biggest trend theme news thing of the whole year. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, but that's
3: of that's the, been nonstop yeah, talk
2: <laughs> of the decade. Yeah, no, it's just massive. Just um, how big it is. I don't know if we'll. Who knows if we'll see something that big again. I don't know if there's a publisher that big to buy in the gaming industry anymore once Activision gets swallowed up. Um, I guess like no, no, it, I guess if Nintendo gets bought or something, that's like, you know, that'll beat it, but that's probably not going to happen.
0: I think the closest would be if um, Ubisoft got bought, but yeah. Ubisoft, I wouldn't say, is as big as Activision.
2: Nah, they're nowhere near as big. They, they've got more staff, but um, as far as like yeah. money they make and their IP and everything, no.
0: Well, and I guess that's an yeah, that's an interesting topic in that Activision is considered big mainly because it has I guess two tent pole bits to it, which was or which are Call of Duty and Blizzard, which has your World of Warcraft and probably not as big as it was, but your Overwatches and sort of those games that are generally well considered by or yeah. those games that are sort of they cross that divide between your casual gamer and your more I guess hardcore gamer. Even though I don't particularly like those labels, but I guess that's very much the blizzard model as it exists at the moment, so it's really when you're buying Activision it's you bought the Microsoft effectively bought those two things. There's not really much else there,
2: yeah, well, they got King as well, which merged mm-hmm. with them, and they're like the kings of the mobile space with candy Crush and I don't know i don't know what else I don't play the games <laughs> candy is, I think I don't know <laughs> yeah so that's that's just massive in that respect, so. Um, that microsoft were really looking to get into that market because they do not exist in the mobile market now they've got the one of the biggest money makers in that market so i guess um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with them when they actually absorb them properly but
1: yeah i think to me the it'll be just fascinating to see if it does eventually get through and what and if it does which way it goes it'll be massive for the for the way forward for this industry because I think if the transaction doesn't get passed through through regulators and they actually decline it it'll be interesting to see how that shakes up and prevents future acquisitions not just by Microsoft but but others because um it will set a bit of a precedent uh, I suspect um but on the flip side if it does go through yeah it's you know what is Microsoft going to have to do like we've already seen them do those um contracts or indicative terms with Nintendo and and Valve on Call of Duty being, you know, put on switch or it won't be Switch, It'll be whatever Nintendo put out in the future mm-hmm. and uh, PC or on Steam specifically. And there'll be yeah, see what else they have to sort of compromise between now and um whenever that decision gets made. I
2: suppose um, <laughs> that was such a dog move by um Microsoft. It really was. Just like when they offered it to Nintendo, Nintendo's got nothing they lose. Like yeah, you know, we'll take Call of Duty for ten years. We haven't had it for yeah. <laughs> ten years. Like sure, why not? and then uh, everyone's looking at Sony being like we've got everything to lose why would we sign that <laughs> yeah uh, it's just like yeah it's just for I was like yeah i guess like they wouldn't even have thought had a second thought about it,
0: it Yeah, and uh, I, mean, I do like how microsoft can pivot it as oh no look at us if we if we buy activision their games will be available on more platforms
2: yeah it's like yeah <laughs> shut up microsoft shut up <laughs> It's, um, it's, it's been certainly a new story it's been really interesting and um, but it's dragged on to the point where it's like, all right just let us know when uh, there's some big sort of shake-ups or some big moves um, but until then we're going to be in this for a, for a while because it, it seems like uh, Microsoft they're sweating a little bit it's not hundred percent but it's going to go through you know it's looking that it potentially might not if things go um, how they're going at the moment with um, you know different Uh, Country's regulation board sort of stepping in and saying no at this point. Um, And personally, for me, like I wouldn't mind that. I don't necessarily feel that great about Activision blending in with Microsoft, mainly because I'm not a big fan of Activision just in general. I'm even at the point now where I probably won't buy their games. And I quite like supporting Game Pass. I don't really want it to blend with it that much. Like just personally, um, if it does, that that's fine. But and just with how Microsoft sort of managed their studios, I've been seeing like the big layoffs at Microsoft um, within the last week and how it's affected their studios and certain games getting cancelled and Halo in the state it's at. I really don't have any faith in Microsoft as far as their the managing roles go. So how that affects Call of Duty and everything else, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's hard to say Microsoft has had a good track record yet with putting out content um in the gaming space at least uh you know game pass not as a game but as a service is probably the best thing they've done since the 360 and xbox live probably uh, mm. um which were both very impressive but uh yeah like the amount of products that have like halo infinite you know love it or hate it it's clearly got issues uh, it's missing key features, the peach like the whole um co-op thing that's i think they've said they're not making it anymore and then that no. one guy found out you can just sort of it's actually kind of half in there already you just need to tweak a few things and it's not great but it's at least they had it's already kind of there um that's such a disappointment uh and then just you know if you even think back over the past few years things like um when scale bound that got just canned uh, and then you know you look at the, oh, yeah. the rumors with perfect dark and how that's seems very troubled it's um yeah, certainly, you're not you're not sure they're going to necessarily make things at Activision Blizzard much better. I guess is is the key thing. Maybe they'll uh, minimise crunch, maybe. But again, I'm not convinced that the their existing studios don't crunch either. I don't, you know, I think it's one of those things where you hear about it when it happens and someone's willing to speak about it. But uh, I don't think it's safe to assume just because you haven't heard something doesn't mean it's there's not bad business practices going on. I mean more likely there are i would i would have thought i mean just based off you know people i've known who worked at microsoft in other divisions um it sounds like a pretty cutthroat place to work with you know the whole ranking people and if you're if you're at the bottom two months in a row or whatever you get the axe and that kind of stuff i don't know if it's still like that but i've heard some pretty pretty bad horror stories to say the least
2: Oh. It would be so competitive, I could only imagine. And rightfully so. Like it's one of the biggest companies and they do a lot of products that in some ways, especially like the window side of things, like it's important like to the world and everything, how we work with um, technology and that now. So if I was management there, I'd want the smartest and brightest minds, but it's just how it's all sort of put together. Because like we have Halo Infinite. it was They basically run that team at 343 just with contractors. So, people do that 18 months and they leave and then someone else comes in and they've got to work out the like the engine, which is proprietary. So, it's not like you can just Google how to use slip space because no one else uses it apart from them. Mm. Um, so, it's just really sort of difficult as far as you know what I've heard. So, yeah, just frustrating as far as that goes. But um, hopefully, we won't have to hear about it too much longer. We'll get the no. They'll get the yes, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yep>. <laughs> Getting to the games of our year for 2022, uh, if you had to choose maybe, I guess, one or two or even three games that I guess you enjoyed the most that released in 2022, or maybe it's a game that didn't release in 2022 but you first played it in 2022, what were the games, that, looking back on the year, that you really enjoyed or maybe you didn't necessarily enjoy it but you just have a lot of thoughts about it or marked your year in gaming I guess what what are those titles that you would think about
2: for for me my the biggest highlight for me especially the time that come out as well and since it's my favorite franchise Pokemon Legends Arceus started the year and this came out the perfect time for me because this is when my I was at home I took work off my wife was waddling around just ready to pop at any time so I'm like well I've got either a week or one day. I didn't know how long I had. This was like just when my wife was due. So I was um, basically home just playing that all the time apart from when I had to be a husband and uh, do that type of thing. But pretty much just staying at home playing Pokemon Legends Arceus and it was just such a different take on the series, nice and fresh. And I really enjoyed sort of the open world or open area mechanics, how you could uh, you know, run around, throw the Pokeball, dodge roll, and actually interact with the battles or the Pokemon had a lot more personality because you could see how they interacted with the world and how you completed your Pokedex by doing certain tasks to keep filling it out, whether it's just showing a certain attack or beating a certain amount. It actually gave you like a lot to do, a lot of filler, but it was just fun to be out in the world and complete those tasks. Whereas on paper, you look at it like, oh my God, I've got to do that. It's kind of like getting like uh, I don't know, a thousand kills in a, in a Call of Duty game to get a trophy or something in, in some ways but it's for every single Pokemon in the game. But <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, it was just great. And the story was, it was serviceable. It didn't go into the lore as much as like, you know, with the whole Hisui region being ancient Sinnoh based from Diamond and Pearl. I would have liked, liked it to go more into what the legendaries are and all that. But it did a decent enough job for, you know, a Pokemon game, I guess, in some ways. Maybe I was overexpecting as far as uh, the story and the narrative go. But that was definitely my... Biggest highlight, I would say, from twenty twenty two, because uh, I stuck mainly to Switch last year because it was, like I said before, just super convenient. And I do, a, I do a Nintendo podcast, so it helps to play the Switch every now and again <laughs> as well. But yeah, man, I think uh, that was a great game. I, I know Zach will have a lot to say about it because, yeah, I mean, big Pokemon fan too.
1: The year started and ended with Pokemon, right? Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, it's not often you have to actually think which Pokemon game is better. But I, I think it was, for me, Legends Arceus by yeah. a good amount. Because you said it was just so fresh. Like, it felt more real. Like, the world the world felt more, like, logical in the way that you can, like, yeah, I can just throw a Pokeball at a Pokemon uh and hopefully catch it and not enter into a, a weird, like, pseudo world as I battle it kind of thing and we all stop and, and take turns um all the time. <laughs> and I think the... They made it much more compelling to complete the Pokedex. Obviously, it was effectively essential to beat the story, which is a first, uh, and I think very uh, much appreciated. Uh, And, yeah, it was just so fresh, so fun. You know, I know it doesn't have everything. Like, if you're a competitive Pokemon player and that's what you find uh, enjoyable, Mm. uh, this is a useless game to you because you can't uh, play multiplayer in any way other than, you know, some trades. But for those of us that are primarily playing the single player experiences in Pokemon, which is I'd say most people to be honest with you uh to get it, play through the campaign and then wait for the next one. I think it was one of the best in a long time, even with the still fairly bare story uh well, you know at the same time it did do some cool little nods, um you know certain characters, you know obviously their their you know ancestors showing up um and in one case, not even an ancestor, which I won't go into specifics, but if you know, you know. And I think that's, it's like, if you've never played a Pokemon game, it doesn't matter, you won't know that. But if you've played all of them, you recognize these people. Uh, it's a kind of a nice little like, oh, that's, I get yeah. that. I get that reference. <laughs> um, insert uh, Chris Evans uh, picture there. But yeah, I, I think it was one of the best games for me as well for last year. Very enjoyable. Uh, I hope we see more of that kind of stuff from... Arguably one of the biggest franchises in gaming, um and I'm, I'm glad that it seems to have been a financial success. Uh, albeit, to be fair, it looks like Scarlet and Violet may also have dwarfed it, but mm. that's besides the point. um I think it, it'd be good to see more of this. This le- whether it's Legends or just if it could even be in the future, current times, whatever. Just do a bit more of this, like more exploration. Mix it up and, and just take some risks. So yeah, very big fan.
2: Yeah. How did you feel about Scarlet and Violet? Like. Playing it for the opening hours and sort of, uh, you know, seeing that you know, obviously all the mechanics are stripped back back to what you'd expect from Pokemon, which is which is fun, which is great. But how did you sort of take it coming yeah. from Legends Arceus?
1: Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it still. I I think a lot of the joy came from, as always for me, mm-hmm. discovering a lot of new Pokemon. Uh, I did not look up the list before it came no, out.
2: I didn't either. Yeah,
1: I think that was the right call. But I I can't like. As much as I'm not one to usually rag about graphics or technical performance when it's not massively impacting, you know, the general flow of the game, it was pretty tough to see that level of frame rate drops, pop-in, uh everything that that occurred. And it's it's just I think the level of disappointment I felt for that, did hinder my overall enjoyment to an extent because you kind of what you know, we wanted this open world mainline game for forever, right? That's been the thing people have been talking about for, and I guess, at least since we've gone 3D with Pokemon. I'd say it's something people have hypothesized about, and uh it just kind of sucks that the first attempt at it isn't, didn't hit it out of the park in the same way that, say, Zelda Breath of the Wild hit it out of the park at its first attempt because it just kind of means when. Let's hope that Gen 10 continues to be open world, but it won't be as impactful in this way because it's going to be still the second open world game. Even if this time they finally get all the the polish and shine correct and it runs really smoothly and I'm sure they take everything that next level in terms of the concept. It's just not going to be as, wow, how cool is it to walk from one end of the map to the other and go from level three Pokemon to level 50 and get, you know, wrecked by by the level 50s or whatever it is. It's just, yeah, it's just a shame that's the way it played out. But, you know, it's still fun. It's still, they're heading in the right direction for the series. I just hope that they really nail down and spend the time they need to make it a a polished experience, the next um, big entry in in the franchise.
2: Yeah. Like, uh, just before we move on, I know that it's just... It's a sticking point just with Pokemon and Game Freak just as far as just the I guess like the graphical prowess or the amount of polish or whatever and just their development times being, you know, compact to, you know, get the Pokemon games out each year. And I hope this is I guess the lowest point they reach before they go, alright, let's um let's change some things. Whatever they have to do within their studio to make sure that the performance and the game doesn't look like this again at launch. I hope they take those measures because it's embarrassing as a Pokemon fan to be like people are like, Why the fuck are you playing that? I'm like, It's fun, man, I swear it's fun. But it just it looks awful. Like it looks horrendous. Like <laughs> it just it just kinda does. Even compared to um Sword and Shield, which got criticism at the time, you compare like a battle scene to like the new battle scenes, it's like, Oh my god, it looked a lot better. But you know, Sword and Shield was doing a lot less on the hardware, so you know, fair enough. Mm. But yeah, I hope um hope it's a a bit of a wake-up call in some ways. But as far as like all, of, all of like the design and um, the new Pokemon and some some of like the evolutions and how they work, they've done some really awesome things just in this game, which should be commended. But oh, yeah. discussions like this, we're always going to see the just the, the downgrade of the performance and that's going to be the big hang-up, unfortunately. But they're really great games. But I ultimately pro- probably preferred Legends Arceus just because of how more connected with the world you are, just because um, in Scarlet and Violet, like you fall off the edge, you go, do mm, you just land? But like you know, you take damage and all that, and it makes you just feel more a part of the world. And Legends Arceus, in some ways,
0: I agree with that because for me, I played Legends Arceus; it, it, it hit my radar. I was really interested in it, and I bought it and played it. Whereas Scarlet and Violet, with mainline Pokemon games, for me, it's sort of I, every couple of generations i'll grab one play it really enjoy it and then set it aside uh, to be honest i haven't done that since i think sun and moons so has been quite a few generations now but for arceus when it came out it just it, yes it, i guess it, it just had that image of it was something new was taking the formula in a new direction it was innovative which mainline pokemon games are rarely innovate innovative they just they iterate on what already exists, which isn't a bad thing. I think, actually, that's a good thing that you get. Yeah. You're still, it's it's like comfort food. You know what to expect in a Pokemon game. you do is. something new every time, but it's always the same formula. But I think, and I agree with what you said, Drew, is that I think they kind of found themselves in a bit of a development cycle trap in that there's an expectation that, oh, you have to release a new mainline Pokemon game every, what, it's about every two years, isn't it? Every two, three years. Yeah, As a new...
3: I think
1: what well, the new generation is probably three years roughly. I think it's and three then, years now. Yep. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, because they, I mean, the thing with Pokemon, and we won't probably go into this for too long, but it's got the issue <laughs> where the entire franchise hinges on the launch of a new game. In terms of mm-hmm. like, I mean, they can make that. They don't have to do it that way. They could absolutely decide. Actually, this time the new Pokemon are going to debut in the anime or the trading cards, and the game will come later. But they have yet to deviate from that traditional path of okay we release a new generation you see the bulk of the new pokemon there are maybe a tease in the anime for for one or two things uh and then you know that's when we can now release plushes we can release new card sets we can release the next season of the anime uh with all these guys now that they've been revealed in in that ten pole game and I guess, you know, when every other business unit in the corporation that is the Pokemon company is relying on that game to come out, it has to come out because you've probably booked deals with manufacturers and uh, TV stations and the like over a year or two in advance for these specific dates. And they're not going to move for you. Um, so the game comes out hell or high water. But I do think, you know, this is hopefully a good chance for them to think, about how out can we reset that cycle? Can we? Do other gaps to, um, you know, I think, again, Legends Arceus was a, a good stopgap where it's like, hey, here's a few new Pokemon. You know, it's not uh, a whole new generation, but there's a few. So we can do some new cards, some new merchandise. Maybe that's what they need to do is, is more like, here's a new DLC or a new game. There's 30 new Pokemon. Great. We can keep the, the money coming in <laughs> through some, some other stuff uh, and buy an extra year or two before the next generation has to
3: really hit.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I know that um, what I've noticed since having my kid as well, just noticing how quick they're he's growing up. Like, if if they take a year off, don't have a Pokemon game for a year, two years, three years, they've missed a whole generation of kids that have moved by and don't know Pokemon that won't go on to be obsessive nerds like us when they're twenty eight years old. <laughs> um, and that, that's been so something I've really been thinking about as well. Like. If Nintendo had the same sort of attitude towards, towards The Legend of Zelda, I know there's been Link's Awakening and, you know, Skulled Sword ports, but between Breath of the Wild being six years, they have missed a whole generation of kids. I know that that game's not necessarily aimed directly at kids like Pokemon, but just as an example, like, the amount of people that would have potentially missed that within that, that pocket that Nintendo probably likes to ca- capture that audience... To bring them forward to become consumers, you know, through their teens and adulthood, because like seeing that like the main audience for Own Switch is in their twenties, so they really want to sort of get kids while they're younger and move them up. And in order to do that, I think they just need to keep the games coming. Unfortunately, they can't be like, oh, it's got to be polished, it's got to be just refined, and we're going to put all the Pokemon in there, and it's going to be this massive thing. We're going to be very proud of it. I ultimately don't think that matters to them. I think it's just um, the reality of being a a series for kids and trying to, you know, get them into it, make sure there's always people coming through. So I think that's some of the big the big deal as well. And into your your point, Zach, just how that's got to keep the cards and the game, or games and the movies and everything going as well, just keep them coming through. So, yeah, I don't know, just uh, an old grumpy adult who might have to just go back to playing <laughs> Pokemon Emerald every year and just deal with that, <laughs> go back to my nostalgia.
0: How about you, Zach? What would what sort of game for you define 2022?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it was quite a few smaller experiences. I think it was a good year for indies. Uh, you know, I think that was reflective in some of the conversation at the end of the year with say the Game Awards where, you know, Stray was nominated as the one indie in the the pack of Game of the Year. But there's probably quite a few you could have put in there and maybe even subbed out some of the bigger games. Like I think God of War and Elden Ring were always going to be the two that were going to battle head to head, and they had to be nominated. Um, but the other games, they, were, they could have hypothetically been subbed out by indies, whether that's Vampire Survivors or Seafoo, or um, you know, again, there's a bunch. But the the one for me, uh, and I think I mentioned this in um, a text response to your podcast, Drew, was uh, was Neon White uh, was the big one mm. for me. Every you know. This is this is the evidence that I'm I don't just play games that are easy, uh, <laughs> um, but that's a different kind of hard though. Um, so Neon White, if you haven't seen it uh, or looked at it, which is very likely, uh, it looks like a first-person shooter at first glance. Not really. Uh, it's more of a first-person platformer kind of Mirror's Edge's uh, like in in terms of running and getting through a level fast, but it's combined with you know puzzle solving and a bit of shooting and all this other stuff and it's effectively what I would describe as the speed running game cuz the as you play it, you, it it is inadvertently training your mind on how to be a speed runner for whatever game you want to speed cuz it's all about you know finding alternate paths in the level to get through a little bit quicker a little bit faster and everything's timed um and the story is also you know very very cool uh, it's got good voice acting for an indie game uh, well not for an indie game, just for a game actually to be to be blunt. Um very cool style with these like characters that all have different masks based on different animals. Sort of set in a world where your character is dead, you're in you were sent to hell, but every year there's a ten day competition where people in hell can um, fight demons and whoever kills the most uh gets rewarded with a a year in heaven um as a as a bit of a reprieve. Uh, you don't remember anything, you don't know how you died, you don't know who you are, but it comes pretty clear all the other characters, at least a good chunk of them that you talk to, know who you are. They were with you in life, they haven't lost their memories, so you're a bit unique from the get-go. So you sort of figure out who you are, you're sort of questioning, well, why the hell, what is this place, why is there a competition, why doesn't God just kill the demons, why does he need us to do it, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, so there's a bit of challenge there to like, is there something weird going on? which i think keeps you sort of hooked uh and then yeah the gameplay is is equally addictive because i think each level the max i've seen the level go for even if you go through at a a slow pace is about three minutes and there's probably a hundred levels in it so like you never you know you're not getting through like 20 minutes realizing you've stuffed up the level and having to go back and do the same thing for another 20 minutes it's it's quick runs it's quick you know they've they've set it up so you just press minus it immediately restarts the level for you so that you can just go straight back in when you know you've you've just stuffed up it's just in, it's incredibly fun uh i definitely think it's worth checking out you know i'm, I'm i took it pretty hard because there's I'm, i went to a hundred percent it which meant i had to get certain times in every single level to get gold ranking uh and find uh, each level has a collectible that you've got to get but you know you could probably again complete it much quicker than it took me i took me maybe 25 ish hours i think uh you'll probably do it in 10 if you just you know crit path it um but i definitely think it's worth checking out it's just a very there's no game i know that's really like it and that's why to me it sort of stood out as a as a highlight for for this uh 2022 year um so i yeah really encourage everyone to, to look at it um notwithstanding a lot of other indies were also very unique and nothing like anything else so it's probably quite a few you could pick that
2: um hit that, that general brief. Yeah, nice. It's on my wish list. It's been like it's been one of those games where like, it's on my wish list. I just want a gap in between other releases to slot it in. It hasn't happened just yet, so I'm keen to get into it when I've um get a bit of time there. But like it looks um looks great.
0: Yeah, I'm the same as Drew in that it's on my wish list, particularly after what we talked about its music with John last episode, Zach, I think. And I've gone back and listened to a lot of the soundtrack of the game, and I'm quite pumped to actually play the game when I get the chance.
1: Yeah, the soundtrack's very, very good. Uh, I think what, what did we say last time? It was like he approached this like uh, artist and was like, "I like your music. Can you just make me some tracks for my game?" And they made like a hundred tracks or whatever it was, and they just sort of jammed them in, and just but it works very well for the vibe. And yeah, it was, it was, it's yeah. All I can say is check it out. And, like you know you you won't regret it i don't think you'll
2: you'll enjoy it yeah the developer of donut county isn't it
1: yeah correct and that's the thing right like you think um donut county and then you look at neon white and yeah. they're not the same <laughs> <laughs> but uh i think what what he's clearly good at in my mind is taking a really he just kind of comes up with like a concept and then executes on it and it's a simple it almost used be like you know donut county is like i want to make a game with this whole thing and that just Became Donut County, and this is like I want to make a game that's all about speedrunning. And he just made a game about speedrunning, so it's really impressive to see someone who can take a simple idea and flesh it out into again, both of them very unique experiences, at least at the time. I think there's a few games that are a bit similar to Donut County these days, um, but at, at its original launch, it was one of a kind.
2: Yeah, just seeing how diverse each game is. I think this developers like certainly someone to keep an eye on, just how they can take gameplay and mechanics and really fl- flesh them out and make them fun. So, yeah, no, I've definitely got to get to this game. It came out on PlayStation in December. And that's when I was like, all right, cool. That's when I want to get to it. So it'll happen soon. It'll happen soon. Zach uh, has a uh, talk to it. it. Sold <laughs> it. <laughs> good,
1: Goodness. Uh, but, yeah, Brendan, what about you? What have you uh, managed to fit in between moving across the globe
0: (laughs) i guess looking at my list which i made a list of games i played in 2022 that released in 2022 and there are four games on this list so i'll list the four games and then there's one in particular i'll talk about and those four games are well as we mentioned pokemon arceus i played splatoon 3 which really enjoyed but i think i can't remember if i mentioned it to you on an episode or sort of in a pre-show episode zach that i could not tell you what the differences are between Splatoon three and Splatoon two. Yeah, they kind of exist in a vacuum.
1: I have to agree, and again, I'm going to sort of cross promote your your podcast, Drew. But um, I know you've got a, uh, at least a couple of very big Splatoon fans in the House of Mario Discord, and uh, you've hypothesised about doing an episode with one of them about you know, Splatoon three and Splatoon two and that kind of stuff. And I'd be very keen to hear it because certainly as a more generalist Nintendo fan. I think I echo your sentiments, Brendan. It's like it's like yay more Splatoon, but it's also like it's it's just more Splatoon. It's not it's not really as impactful as Splatoon one was, or even to an extent two, because it it feels very iterative to me, at
2: least. Yeah, I'm I'm a very light Splatoon player. You know, don't really particularly you know play it hardcore or anything like that. Not well, I say I don't play it hardcore, but I barely play it casual. So. (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, I I've played the game, and just from what I can tell, talking to like Wacko Jacko and that in our Discord community, like there's there was a lot of sort of changes they were hoping to get rectified in from Splatoon two to Splatoon three, and it seems like they got them. Um, but they also got just really laggy lobbies and all that came on with the online play as well. So I'm not sure how happy they are. I've, I've been manning through an episode with uh, with Jacko actually, but. I've got around to it just yet. But, yeah, no, it would be really interesting to see how it turns out. But for me, it was just like, yeah, it's more Splatoon. Cool. We haven't had it since uh, when did they stop updating Splatoon 2. Like, it's been a year or two. So, it was cool to yeah. just have it back mm. in the zeitgeist. But even now with Splatfest and that going on, it's like, personally, I don't really, I don't care. I'm not turning it on, like, mm. each month. I don't know about you guys, but it's sort of already not- dropped off for me anyway.
0: I think it might be where the Switch is in its lifespan because I remember when Splatoon Mm. 2, when there were Splatfests or DLC or updates, it was a bigger thing on, I guess, Nintendo Twitter and just in the general discourse about the Switch. Whereas now, I know there was a Splatfest early January and I barely knew it was on. It's sort of after the fact listening to a podcast and they mentioned it and I, I was like, oh, there was a Splatfest on, I missed that.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. I think I think it's just a general sentiment of the switch being like, we're ready, we're ready to move on. We're sort of just like we're playing games and enjoying it. Obviously, we've got Zelda coming out. And we're just gonna all just be all engrossed in that. But for the most part, I think we're just all just kind of like, all right, take, put the seatbelt on. It's gonna be a rocky road for the next 12 to 18 months. Hopefully, you know we get the next system relatively soon. That's how I, I feel know, anyway. I
3: think-
0: and I echo your feeling because I think there's an aspect that if you look at the games that have released in the last 12 months from Nintendo, a lot of them are iter- it's just iterations of games that had already released on the Switch. And you're seeing that with the start of 2023, which with more um, Fire Emblem Engage released two, three weeks ago. And sort of people enjoyed it, it's reviewed relatively well, but it had nowhere near the impact as Three Houses did. Yes, it's a very different game for Three Houses, but it's. I'm feeling like because all these games are in franchises that have already got entries on the Switch, people, they aren't sort of, I guess, it's not really capturing people's imaginations. when, Even if you go to the end of 2020 when, um, sorry, 2021, when Metroid Dread released, that was big because a Metroid game hadn't released on Switch, even though we were towards the end, well, we were on the back end of, hopefully the back end of the Switch's lifespan, that <laughs> it was a big thing because it was a new a new entry in a franchise that hadn't appeared for a couple of years in a in a big way. So I think, yeah, that, that's where I my mind is with Nintendo at the moment. I think Tears of the Kingdom is different because it's such a big release it's such, and Breath of the Wild was effectively a Wii U game anyway. So there's I think there's different dynamics going on there.
2: Oh, can't wait for Tears of the Kingdom. Hurry up. <laughs>
0: yeah. Again,
1: this is probably a, a whole podcast episode, so I won't, delve in it too deeply, but I mean first off, there's a very good YouTube video on I think Good Vibes Gaming by John Cartwright where he talks through why you're probably gonna see a lot of franchises repeat themselves from Nintendo and I think it's worth watching that because it gives you a lot of context um why you get more fire emblems than you get uh, say, Pikmin's, for example. So that's first a good watch. But I also wonder how much now having consolidated the handheld and console wines into one has really made that more apparent because like previously it'd be like "Oh,
3: true yeah you've
1: got yeah mario kart for the first time on your handheld that's fresh and new and then now you've got it on the console so that's fresh and new and then you go back to the next handheld and it would alternate whereas now it's like oh you got the you know a splatoon on the switch and then you got another splatoon on the switch <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah yeah you're Robin. right yeah
1: so I, I think that might yeah be an element to it but it will Again, we'll, again, probably could talk about that for an hour. So we won't won't go
2: onto it anymore. <laughs> yeah, we can sit here just like talk about the next Nintendo system. What we want, like, oh, uh, just oh, we want it to just be like a big power grid that just Mario. You can see every little follicle in his eyebrow. Oh god, look at that.
0: Yeah, and oh. and it will mine it will mine uh Bitcoin like that. Mummy um, <laughs> gave allegedly did. <laughs>
2: Oh, what a game to do it to! <laughs> I trusted, I trusted her so much. She let me down. Just like my real mum.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go back home to the family home, and my is just now crypto mining.
2: PlayStation Four and Switch is just like overheating, just. <laughs>
0: Yes, and I guess to finish my, I guess, my (laughs) jaunt through my games of 2022, the other two games I played were, well, Zach briefly mentioned it, but one was Vampire Survivors when I got the free iOS version of it because I think, Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the developers decided, oh, we're just going to make the port ourselves and put it out there for free because there was all these various, like, just rip-off cheap imitations that were popping up on the...
2: Well, they weren't even imitations. It was literally the code getting stolen and just... Put up so it wasn't even just like people making like similar games so they had to act quick smart
3: well
0: i think it would work better on a console pc but it, it works mm. pretty well on an iphone i must say for sort of well i just played on my bus commute to um to the university so it's great for that Ooh. sort of 30 40 minutes
2: yeah no just, it's, um, it's dangerous it's dangerous i played it on xbox and and phone some of those games like you, you might have missed your bus stop with that type of thing. Like, oh, look, just one more run or oh I'm going well. I can't quite I'm not gonna look up and, you know, ruin a good thing here. So you just I oh, look I'll just I'll just walk the extra half an hour, just go back to where I needed to get off. It's all right.
1: <laughs> it's dangerous. You've probably both heard it, but in case you haven't like the guy that or the te the person that made it he... His job used to be working on slot machines. Yeah. Like that was yeah. so he's just uh Really? Yeah. Oh, he knows how to make your dopamine uh nah, you sure know, generate in, in overloads and it makes sense when you get the bloody treasure chest or whatever. I was all about to say, yeah, the,
0: the treasure chest the treasure chest animation is a pot- is a slot machine.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh yeah, that's I think there's a few good reasons
2: it's so addictive. <laughs> good fact that there's actually no no microtransactions in it though. Like he's not doing it to just, like, get money out of you. It's just to make a fun, interesting game.
0: I exactly agree, and I think it's it's big that he did just release it for free on, on phones. But yeah. sure, there was the issues with this code being stolen and, and, well, and all that and people charging for stolen code games effectively, but I think it it's a testament that it's not a nickel and diamond game because it easily could be if you think about the mechanics of Vampire Survivors and how it's set up. You could very easily put in, uh, like payable cosmetics, or ah oh, pay pay these tokens, and you get to extend your playthrough or revive mm. your character or I things would, like that.
1: So, yeah, yeah. Buy, buying gold to get the permanent upgrades quicker because you just want to keep pushing forward. Like, yeah, it could have easily been a yeah. an absolute, you know, gougy game, but it, yeah, it's great that it's not.
0: And the last game I play started playing actually in December twenty twenty two, and I still need to go back and finish it and. Thankfully, it's not particularly a, a long game. Is uh, "Pentiment" by Obsidian Entertainment, which is a sort of it's one of those weird games in that I kind of would. It's kind of an indie game, even though it's by a company, uh, a developer that is owned by Microsoft. In that, it's a 2D RPG sort of point and click adventure game, and I what one of the reasons why I absolutely love it is that, well, as a historian, it very much is deeply rooted in. It's, yes it's based in a fictional town in bavaria but it's no yeah, i think it's yeah, bavaria or one of basically germany in the 16th century it very much it uses an art style that's based on books from that era you you play a character but andreas Marlowe, who is a illuminator so basically he he draws images in illuminated manuscripts which i guess effectively are picture books um, with writing attached to them and. uh it sort of it becomes there's a bit of a murder mystery going on. I won't go into it too much because it's easy to enter spoiler territory and uh it's a game very much heavily based on its narrative, but there's a lot of options. You can choose sort of as you go on you choose the background of the character so you can decide, well, ah, oh, he had previous previously been to a university so he can speak like French and German or oh he just he travelled around Italy a lot so he understands Italian cities and when and dialogue options will come up with other characters and he can be like, Oh, you've been to Venice like last month. Oh, I live I lived there. I know all these things about Venice and it's that that sort of storytelling interactivity, which is something Obsidian always does pretty well. And I know earlier in the episode I mentioned I recently finished Alpha Protocol and why I did that was because I started it years ago and never finished it and that's a eight, ten hour long game, so it's a very short experience that so you can burst through it, which it's very rare in RPGs, and I'm glad that Pentiment's sort of, in that same vibe, but I think is a lot better than Alpha Protocol in terms of narrative, story design, and just playability. So I haven't finished it yet, so maybe my views of it will change when I do. But it's a game that I'm very much recommending to people to play because I think it's it's a really unique experience, and I think it it has sort of somewhat flown under the radar in that there was a brief period it came out, people talked about it, but I, I think it's. It's one of those games that I think will have a strong fan base for a particular type of gamers, but not for everyone. But I, I think it has a wide appeal there because it's, it's an accessible game for anyone that likes adventure games, anyone that likes RPGs, anyone, anyone that really likes narratives and gaming. I'd say,
2: yeah. No, the game looks really cool. Just like this art style is really distinctive as well, and how like it, it is very much about like talking to people and working things out rather than hacking them with a sword or, like, doing combat. Um, So, yeah, it's been on my eye just because it's on Xbox Game Pass. So, you know, like, everything on there, got nothing to lose, apart from your very precious time that we talked about earlier. (laughs) So, maybe that's why I haven't haven't jumped into it straight away. But that looks great, man. And just, like, the fact you're already a sit-in fan, like, right up your alley. So, there's no wonder that you played it within, like, your four games since you're such a big fan. Yeah, yeah it's,
0: I think it's, it's definitely that history aspect as well because I'm always a sucker for any sort of game with a history focus because I think it, it's sort of a very it's an int- I think we probably will do a podcast about it along the lines Zach, but it's an interesting aspect of how history and games intersect in different ways, sometimes sort of just as throwaway mechanics or other, other times it's sort of integral to the experience. Yeah, and sentiment sort of the latter.
1: Sometimes you get Dynasty Warriors. Sometimes you get Pentamint. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's really, of all the games Microsoft showed off in their uh, E3 press conference, or whatever it was, wasn't E3, you know what I mean, but the equivalent of it last year. Uh, for me, it was one of the most interesting, probably in, like, the top two or three, uh, because it was so unique, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not a big, you know, dark, gritty shooter person. Um, so I do like these more experimental, colorful, uh, cool art style type games. So it's definitely on my to check out list. Uh, and I think you know, we I started being very negative on Microsoft at the start of this episode. This is <laughs> probably one where it was a place where it is quite positive, and this Game Pass in general can be quite positive. That's you. I, I... <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thank you.
1: I could not imagine Pentanet being greenlit if they knew the only way to sell it was as a full price retail game. I I just don't see how a business person looks at that type of game and thinks this is going to be successful <laughs> under that business model whereas as a game pass game in rounding out that library where people can go this looks weird and I'm just going to play it now because I've already got Game Pass. It works very, very well. And we've, you know, we're already seeing now bleeding into 2023, but we saw that, I think, as well with Hi Fi Rush that just came out, um, out of nowhere. Uh, and so there is some positives there too. If Microsoft can continue letting, you know, these studios do some experiments, not also, you know, it, I think it alleviates a bit of the fear that when they bought Obsidian, they were just going to be like, right, you're just going to make more, um, out of Worlds, that's the one they made, right, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's always Out of Worlds and Wilds that I still mix up to this day. Yeah. Or alternatively after they bought Bethesda, now you're just the fallout, New Vegas <laughs> 2 studio and you're just going to keep pumping that out. So it's good that they're letting them make new IP uh and not just okay, we bought you, you're known for these franchises, you're making these franchises for the rest of time effectively.
0: Yes. what what Nintendo has done to East soft.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: you are the Xenoblade developer and that is it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love love that example where initially Xenoblade Chronicles was called something else and They're like, no, you must put Xeno in the name you're continuing the franchise.
2: Oh, what was it before Blade Chronicles? That is one of its <laughs> support no, that No, I
0: think they were going to call it like Monado the beginning of the world or something along those lines.
2: Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: No. <laughs> probably probably could have. I don't think anyone like I don't know. I'm sure in Japan, Zeno is quite important. I feel like in the West, it's like whatever. We would have we would have
2: embraced it just as equally. Yeah, I think majority of us Nintendo... like I didn't know what like Center Gears and all that was before Xenoblade.
0: Oh, exactly. It's a small minority of uh, Japanese RPG fans. So, like, right, yeah. So it, it's interesting.
1: It's probably like it's like why they probably made um. God, what's his name? Uh, is, it, is the Final Fantasy guy the original? Is it Sakamoto? Is that oh, him?
0: Sakaguchi? Everyone knows Sakaguchi. Irunobi, Sakaguchi. That's it. Yeah, yeah. like why they last like, story. Yeah, it's <laughs> like
1: you've got to make it like it has to be something definitive like Final Fantasy. That has to be the name. <laughs> it's yeah. Last, it has to, it has to be that. It can't be anything else. <laughs>
0: yeah, they, they pulled out a thesaurus. It was like Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, What's a synonym. synonym of final? Last. <laughs> fantasy uh story uh, okay we got it we got the name
1: we guys. did it
2: yeah doesn't have the same ring to it though you know he got it pretty right on the first time final fantasy just just slips off the tongue
0: well, and then, well then he went with his uh iphone game fantasia so he had that fantasy element too so he cannot get out of that trap
2: That was a cool game too anyway. yeah fantasia
0: was great I, yeah. I never finished it because my apple arcade subscription ended but
2: yeah
1: Well, you're gonna haven't you? Haven't you subscribed again? Pocket Card Jockey, whatever just came out. It's time to to get back on it. I think it just came out a week or this week or whatever on. uh...
2: Came out on the twentieth, yeah.
0: All right, well, uh, yeah, well, you know, guys, where I'm gonna be in the next week or two on Apple Arcade, yeah, boy, playing some solitaire. I introduced my sister to uh, Pocket Card Jockey over the Christmas break. And she was sort of like, Brendan, what is this? Why why am I playing Solitaire? Why are their horses racing? I'm like, you you have to wait and see. This is one of the best games ever made. And I think she kind of enjoyed it, but I don't think she really had a choice. So (laughs) that was an interesting experience. Did have
2: a gun to her head at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe,
0: maybe not. You will never know.
2: No, there's no way of knowing.
0: So, if with, uh, you touched upon 2023 with um High Rush. Is it High Rush?
3: High Fire Rush.
0: High Fire Rush, maybe.
2: What's that, be, also, that new game, game those kids are talking about? The <laughs> High Fire Road and <laughs> Dagadag.
1: That JB Hi Fire game that just came out.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, I got my computer from there back in the early 2000s. She's still going well.
0: My my segue is very much dead in the water. But uh, I think it's probably it's worth for us to talk about well, what are we looking forward to 2023? Uh, Yes, we're a month in, but there's another 11 months to go. I think we're probably all going to agree and talk about uh, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, of course, because I think that's going to be probably, it has potential of being the Elden Ring of 2023. But is there anything else you're looking forward to in 2023? There might be a game that's coming out. It might be, uh, I don't know, a backlog game you really want to go back to and grind out and play, or it just might be... A future announcement maybe you think that nintendo is going to announce i don't know metro prime 4 or they're going to announce a new console or maybe sony or microsoft will announce something or maybe we'll get another i don't know another person entering the market though that never really seems to go well for me on the gaming front i'm actually very excited for and i think i'm going to be disappointed probably severely that (laughs) starfield is a game that i've been very keen on diving into since it was announced and yes and like it got delayed last year, so maybe maybe there's issues with it, or maybe there's just some extra polish they want to work on before they release it. It is um Bethesda, so their games are generally, particularly their open world games, are generally absolute broken messes when they release. So like we'll we'll see what Starfield's like, but I I've always like Well, I've been growing to appreciate sci-fi a lot more as a genre, both both in fiction, both in films and in games as well, and. It's sort of that big tentpole sci-fi release, that, well, open-world sci-fi release that's coming out in 2023. So I'm keen to... I, I have high hopes for it. Whether that those hopes are actually met, who knows. I'm sort of hopeful but not hopeful. So probably tells you a bit about my character, but, yeah, that, that's the game that, aside from Teens of the Kingdom, that I am excited for.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way about Starfield, though. Even, like, the... The big Bethesda and Xbox fans, just you know, just like really crossing their fingers because this is the first time Bethesda software has had to come out and be like, "All right, we are a first party studio selling a platform." As before, they were third party coming out and they had their fans and well, they had obviously a, a massive audience. And but they, if they were a bit glitchy or a bit, you know, a bit whatever at launch, it wasn't such a big deal. But now they've got like this other conglomerate breathing down their neck being like, you know, we we bought you. We've got nothing else, so you better perform and um, everything is sort of put on them. But I'm looking forward to Starfield. I've never really gotten into a Bethesda game at all, but uh, I'm keen to give this a look at because I'm I'm keen just to go and explore. That's one of my favourite things to do in games. So if you give me uh, a game where you say, all right, go to a certain planet, explore... See if I enjoy the settlement aspect of it. I'm not sure. I don't know if I'll enjoy that, but give it a go. See if Bethesda make it a fun thing to do. Um, just hearing about it in Fallout 4 sounds like a, like a nightmare, but 2023 might be doing something a little bit different. But uh, as, as far as like, games, I'm really excited about. 2023 is going to be amazing. There are so many awesome games coming out across like all platforms. Obviously, Zelda's the top of my list um really looking forward to it we really don't know much about it as far as the mechanics and everything apart from stuff we've sort of taken story context out of the trailers by dissecting all of the little quick snippets and that um but i'm looking forward to a bit more sort of information and kind of to get their marketing machine rolling on that game but i think just in the near future something that comes out at the end of march is atelier riser 3 Uh, i really enjoy the atelier games i think they're a lot of fun i've um the first game was in my backlog for a long time, and now that we're like, well, it got delayed, so I had two months basically to beat the two first games. Now I've got, um, I guess, three months because of that, because of the delay. But just the, the first game was just so so much fun. It's just it's a, basically a game where it's a JRPG where you're exploring the overworld, you're collecting materials, you bring them back to your atelier, and you're crafting all of your items, your gear, everything that you need for battle. And the progression's a lot more based upon how well you can craft your your gear and your weapons and all of that, and it's just a lot of fun. A really nice, lighthearted story to go along with it. And um, I've still got to finish the second game, so I've got got a little bit of time. Still got uh, two months, but I can't dawdle too much. So I'm really looking forward to that. There's like stuff like Resident Evil Four remake. That's going to be great. I never played Resident Evil Four before. It was one of those games where I got into gaming after the, after it came out. Um, and I just—I never went back. I never picked up the Wii version or anything like that. So I'd like to give that a go. And just um, PlayStation VR too comes out this month as well. Really looking forward to mm. picking that up. Um, there's a few games on there where I'm just really keen to get the VR experience. Like there's a kayak game where you just basically just ha- doing kayak in motions, looking around. There's like a speed run mode in it as well, which like you like going down waterfalls and stuff. I think that's going to be a lot of fun, just to experience it. Gran Turismo Seven has a VR mode, which I've um, I've been wanting to get a VR headset for a long time. But I was looking at the Quest, and the Quest is a lot of fun. I've had a chance to play it, but uh, I just couldn't bring myself to buy a Meta product. I just didn't really want to support them. I didn't want to be buying games on their store. It just felt a bit weird. So I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm already a PlayStation fan, so I'd rather buy my games there. So looking forward to um, uh, the VR aspect of things. But I'm just I'm going down the list here. There's, uh, I, I've already made like a massive list of stuff that's already being announced, but my piece of paper isn't with me right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot. There's certainly a lot coming out. But yeah, Tellurizer 3 is the, the thing on my mind at the moment just because it's relatively soon. Look here, there's the game to finish off on. Uh, Atomic Heart as well. I'm keen to give that a go. Uh, first-person shooter. Basically, I think it's within. Um, I'm not too sure of the the story concept, but I know it's with like it's a Russian developer, so it's a very sort of different feeling and looking atmosphere within the game. And um, can they give it a go? It sort of has Bioshock vibes. How you're using like different powers with your like your left hand using um weapons with your other hand. Um like guns and all that. It just looks looks interesting. And I noticed it on Game Pass and I probably wouldn't have noticed it if it wasn't for that because of the uh, the box art just looks really generic. You got your like your your Marine looking very angrily towards you, like, oh yeah. I didn't even think about it when I saw the box art, but when I saw some gameplay, I'm like, huh, that looks pretty cool. And uh yeah, already signed up. So may as well give it a go.
0: It's very much has that 360 ps3 generation uh, it does art, yeah it? certainly the old um dude bro shooter vibe that i think many of us hoped that we had passed. but yeah it, it, it'll be interesting to see how that game does turn out because it's sort of yeah it's sort of on people's radars but it's one of those games that people are seem to be 50 50 on the fence about mm. that it could be really good or it could be just a bit of a generic average game
2: yeah for sure Looking at Wild Hearts here too, I'm really looking forward to that. I um really don't know how it's gonna turn out. It's a it's a game by Omega Force, who is typically um well it's owned by Koei Tecmo, but they're working with EA and it's being published under the EA Originals brand. And it's a it's a monster hunter like game where you're taking down big beasts, but you're an inventor and you've got different uh, inventions and weapons to help take down these monsters. And to me it looks like a more accessible monster hunter. And that excites me. So kind of a, a, a random sort of release um, coming out later this month, which I'm going to give a go. I'm probably going to check out reviews and that beforehand because I really don't know how it's going to turn out. But yeah, Wild Hearts, Wild Hearts looks great too. But like, if you just keep looking down the rabbit hole, there's just so much coming out. You've got you to brace your wallets if you've like. If you got a, a vast sort of... Love of genres. It's a it's, it's a dangerous year. Everything's coming out post COVID. Everything's sort of been backlogged up to now.
1: Yeah, well, we're like this year three going on year two or three of the new consoles, roughly, which is usually when you start to see a bit of you know you hit their momentum. Hopefully, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, I mean, yeah, Zelda there's not much more you can say. I I am a little skeptic. I don't think it'll be as big of a splash as Breath of the Wild was in the mm. conversation, but I do think the hardcore Zelda fans are still going to love it. Just because I don't think you can replicate the impact of Breath of the Wild in a game that is clearly iterative on it. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's To me, it's almost like a Mario Galaxy, Mario Galaxy 2 situation. You probably might think Galaxy 2 is a better game. It doesn't change the fact that it the is. original Galaxy was more impactful when it came out, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Pikmin 4 is I, maybe even more excited about that than Zelda, <laughs> just because I think uh, we're at that point in what we know about it where we know almost nothing. Uh, yeah. There's so much to find out about that game. You know, is it going the logical conclusion of, now nah, there's four <laughs> characters you can play as, uh, and what are the new Pikmin? What are their colors? Are they? What are they going to do? That's That in and of itself is fun. Um, and again, we just don't get that many Pikmin games. Uh, so number four is very, very exciting for
3: me. Uh, Definitely, yeah.
1: Outside of that, it's a lot of again, a lot of indies for me that's that are like really uh catching my interest. But a lot of them aren't like they got like twenty twenty three on their Steam pages or their websites, but will they actually make it? Very hard to say. <laughs> you know, I look at uh a big one for me will be The Plucky Squire, which is by oh. it's a Brisbane studio but combined with uh James Turner, who used to work at Game Freak and did uh a lot of the art and work on I think night and then obviously a few uh, Pokemon um, I think he was the lead art guy on Sword and Shield if I'm not mistaken yep so yeah that looks really good uh, and I'm very keen for that and particularly if it launches this year one that I have um, sort of I remember seeing in that it was either a Wholesome Games or an Indie Direct last year I cannot remember and I think it's coming out this quarter it's called Cheer, and I think it's made in new caledonia and it's set in new caledonia um being a an island country not too far from australia and it looks kind of like mario odyssey in that you're like this little girl who can possess uh different creatures uh so like i think in the trailer she's like i'm a crab i'm a seagull I'm whatever Mm -hmm. uh and i saw some previews of it from like pc gamer and a few other places uh in the start of jan and a lot of them are like this is like ridiculously good uh, like and you know almost for some of them saying this could be my game of the year uh which is not often you see people use those terms for any sort of game preview uh and given i love platformers and colorful games that's really up there for me and it's just you know a cherry on top that it's from a, a country that you don't often think about when it comes to game development which I think is always really exciting to see. Animal Well, which has fairly recently been um, announced to be part of Big Mode, which is Dunkey's uh, publishing studio, also looks very cool uh, and interesting. So I definitely recommend checking that out unless you have some moral aversion to Donkey, which you might right. have, I don't know. I, I'm a fan. <laughs> um, or at least I find his content interesting.
2: I think uh, uh-huh. most people that had an issue with him starting up that publishing arm were people in the like the the media side of the games industry for some reason, I don't think many other people really cared, but
1: yeah, it's very much like a you can't just do that like well, you can <laughs> you've got the money yeah, it's like oh on?
0: you're you're an influencer, you're a youtuber streamer, you can't make games, it's like anyone can make games,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, or at least at least fund them right, uh which is effectively all he's doing <laughs> and marketing them, and then Gosh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Uh, A big one that I think we all wonder: Is it coming? It should come. Hollow Knight Silk Song. Yes, Hollow Knight Silk Song. And if it is coming, is it a sports story? Is it going to be? Has it been in development hell? Is it going to actually have issues? I hope it won't. Uh, But uh, certainly, sports story has made me a little more worried about certain games than I
0: probably.
3: That's such
1: a crazy
2: story, isn't it? You wouldn't have been able to guess it.
0: The funny thing with that is that I actually... One of the few games I played from start to finish in 2022 was Golf Story because I, I was playing it in, ant- in anticipation of yeah, Sports okay. Story. And then st- Sports Story got shadow dropped and all the reviews came out. So I was like, oh, I'm happy I played Golf Story. That was a fantastic experience. A really enjoyable game on the Switch. And I'm like, well, I'm going to stay far, far away from Sports Story.
2: I bought and- it, but in some ways I'm not that... It was $20. bucks i am not too upset to support australian developers at least but yeah it's a shame how it turned out
1: you know, i mean the saga with uh again just to give a bit of context for anyone who's not seen it but they someone found a glitch where you can you know cut through some some walls and get to a, a secret room where it originally had a bunch of developers complaining about sort of poor work conditions and and, and challenges during development which Either is just general commentary on game development in general, or maybe was very specific to their experience. And then in the uh, latest patch, if you managed to get to that room, they now say, we're very happy and we are having the best time making this game. <laughs> really?
2: <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear correct. about the patch. That's crazy.
1: Well, but then there's, there's a third element to this. The head of Sidebar, I think it was, came out and said, yeah, we tried to patch out the room altogether, but we couldn't get that to work so i don't know how that makes sense like you couldn't just patch (laughs) out the glitch or remove it like so instead we've just changed the text (laughs) it's like
2: yeah Well, yeah (laughs) i'd imagine like taking some element out it sort of does a domino effect to something else and god knows what so it's just easier to change the text but that makes it just that makes it sound just icky, doesn't it just like oh no you had a good time you fucking changed that text
1: yeah (laughs) Like when you read it, it absolutely sounds like you know Gundy head level com- like words that they're using now, and maybe that's just because you- I saw what the text said previously. But uh, yeah, yeah,
2: so going yeah, it's really you open sad. Unity, you go into your little dev tools there, Matt, <laughs> and you type that text out. Repeat after me: I had a good time developing this game. I love working at Sidebar Games. It's an amazing place to work. Don't you ever talk down to me again? Don't you sneak this into my fucking game
3: ever again?
1: Do you know how lucky you have to have this job? I could go and like pick up a uni student off the street and give him your job right now. If
3: you
2: <laughs> yeah. I could make a bum bloody coat better than you, you piece of crap. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, well, Hopefully
2: it wasn't that bad. Hopefully it was no, just I'm sure. a bit of crunch here and there. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: maybe some poor poor direction from the heads of. But anyway, um, yeah, very unfortunate. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed that Silk Song is, is just taking the time because... They're taking their time and it'll be good and we can once again revel in a highly acclaimed uh Australian game,
2: uh, globally. Yeah. First time since Untitled Goose Game or something. Is that the last one I can remember? It's a while um, ago though, mind you. I guess Cult of the Lamb was pretty oh, of big. Of course, yeah, nah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Cult of the Lamb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was massive. Sold over a million copies. Man. They're good.
0: Is is Frog <laughs> Detective Three big or not really?
2: Well, yeah,
1: it's a good question. Frog Detective, as a series, is worth a fun play, but it's definitely not, I think, as...
2: say I've heard of Frog Detective. Yeah,
1: it's, it's not quite as interesting as Cult of the Lamb or Goose Game or Hollow Knight. <laughs> but very funny.
0: Talking of indie games, do you, do you think Hades 2 will release in 2023?
1: Well, I think they said it's going to be early access again, so I think we'll get an early access launch that'll last a year and then they'll go into it i kind of question why they need early access at this point maybe it's just like it worked the first time so let's do it again but uh i just like the feedback yeah i mean again a, a very a topic you could have i know for a whole podcast episode but i sort of question like how much do you need to call it early access these days where you can also just continually <laughs> fix your games and Improving them, I guess it gives you a bit of slack in terms of like if things don't work. It's, oh, it's okay. It's early access, but uh, yeah,
2: yeah. If I was a developer, I'd never leave early access. I'd be like, no, yeah, no. That's what that's what's a bad game. It's just it's early. Yeah, fix <laughs> it. Sense, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm working. It's it. Not finished yet. You look, can't review it. Look at me. I'm typing away. I'm typing. I'm working hard on the game. Don't worry about that. It's early days. I've still got plenty of time to fix it.
1: Yeah, I, I suspect early access will come out this year. I Don't see why not, given what they said. Mm. But yeah, I mean look, there's there's probably there are literally dozens of indie games that look exciting. Just gotta see what comes out really and, and hope that you know, and plus I think like all I'm sure we can all agree. What I'm also excited about is just the stuff we do not know about yet or isn't on anyone's radar and one day it'll come out and everyone will be like, What's this? It's great and it'll it'll take us, you know, to places we never thought we were going. I I always love those those surprises in a year again, that's why I think Hi-Fi Rush has been such a cool way to start the year because it just literally came out of nowhere and is good. And, you know, more of that, please. More, more, give me stuff I'm not even aware of um, to, to experience. Not
3: too I, much I always like Shadow
0: Drops because there's something to be said about, I guess, hype trains and sort of anticipating the release of a game that you're looking forward to. But on the other hand, I do like those moments when something just comes out of nowhere and People start to talk about it and then it hits your radar in some form and then you play it yourself and you're like, oh, this was a really pleasant surprise. This is a really fun game. And uh, I guess for Shadow Drops, I'm just hoping on Advance Wars 1 and 2.
1: Seems likely. It might, (laughs) by the time this comes out, maybe the game is already out. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Or maybe I've
2: just doomed us to it being forever delayed.
0: They're waiting for the war to end, which I don't think will ever end.
2: Hopefully, yeah, some um, Ukrainians go. We would like to play this in between everything going on, so please release it.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Or you know, just like you know, what we're really not that offended. <laughs> like it's, it's
2: it's fine. Like just just keep on keeping on, guys. Um. Maybe. Um. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if they hold it long enough, Russia will be like, look we got to play this new Advance Wars game. Just bring back the troops. Stop the war. <laughs> For goodness. It, it might make him realize just the, the error of their ways. just um, what's going on. With that. Putin, please, we need to play Advance Wars. This is a great Game Boy Advance game, and they've done just a tremendous job on it. It's voice acted. It's beautifully animated. I think um, you'd really get a kick out of it. Maybe that's just what will make him just uh, bring it all back.
1: Mm. It's by those guys that did the Shantae games. You love those, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you love those, Putin. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just a little uh, belly dances. It's all it's, it's your jam, Putin, you know? You, um, you
2: spent so long on your Game Boy Color just <laughs> indulging yourself in the,
1: in the franchise. Uh, one of the OG fans. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, fingers crossed. Because I, I definitely feel like uh, they get a bit uh, down, <laughs> like, Oh, I feel like this—that game needs to come out and it needs to sell well. And if it does not, I feel like it's very unlikely we will see more advanced wars for a long time, if ever. Because I, I just like, you're gonna be like, it didn't sell that well. It was like impossible to release because of the war. Let's just not try again. <laughs> it's too hard, yeah. guys. Give up.
2: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who who would actually make them. Like, intelligent systems aren't gonna choose that over Fire Emblem, ever again. <laughs> so. No. Uh, whether, like, you know, I don't know, someone like Wayford actually makes an original one after this if they did want to continue. I'm not quite sure, but I feel like Wayford um, they were chosen the game be- like to remake the game because of the art style. I don't know if they're really... Uh, would they be the ones, sort of, you would choose to make a strategy game like that? I'm not quite sure. I'm sure they could make it. But.
0: They've made some strategy games in the past. I don't think oh, any are particularly okay. yep. um, well regarded, but there's some... Particularly on the GBA, and I think there might be a one of their licensed 3DS games, maybe. But particularly on the GBA, there was one game I can't remember the title of that was a, in some ways, a turn-based strategy game. Was
2: it a Transformers game or something? I don't know why that's ringing a bell.
0: I think on 3DS, maybe, yeah. There, there was something like that. But I think on GBA, there was one called like Star Sigma something or along saga or along those lines. It was like a merger between a a 2d um scrolling shooter in a tactics game
2: yeah, well maybe they'll be great at it make us one maybe they're gonna stealth drop that as well Just all of them <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that'll be, be a big hit um
2: yeah but yeah i don't know
1: i, I mean I, I hope it's a trend though of more outsourcing of games though like from from all of the party because like not just Nintendo, but Microsoft, Sony, they own and have so many IP that they do not touch these days because there's not enough time and money internally to do it. Um, But, well, sorry, there's enough money, but they don't have enough time for all their studios to make everything they're known for. So yeah, let's just farm it out and let let some, some Indies and some uh, smaller companies give it a crack. I know we've, I think people say that for years and it's happens every so often, but I I definitely want to see more and more of that
0: It's what Square Enix is doing, and I guess you can argue whether the products that are coming out of it are good or not because they've been doing it with that... um, It's that French publisher that we've seen games like... They've done, like, Panzer Dragoon, which I know is Sega, but they've done also the Front Mission remakes for uh, Mm. Square Enix. And then there was, I think, it was, like, Siphon Filter or... No, not Siphon. There was some... There was some IDOS IP that they farmed out to an indie developer and they released a new game in the series and it got panned. But they, I guess it's, it's initiatives like that, I think is a good way for a lot of these publishers, not just the platform holders, but smaller publishers as well to, I guess, actually use a lot of the IP they've accumulated over the last 20, 30 years. Cause it's a lot of things now. If you think about gaming in the last 30 years, that I guess when we moved away from that more, 16 or that 8-bit, 16-bit to get to a bit more, I guess, intricate, um, complicated games. There's a lot of IPs that were produced in that era that a lot of people think about fondly now but haven't been touched for like decades. So there's some opportunities there.
2: I was just looking it up as well. They did make a Transformers game, Transformers Rise of the Dark Spark. Yeah, and
0: I think that was a tactics game.
2: Yeah, it's a strategy game. So yeah. I don't know why that was in the back of my head somewhere. Obviously I never played it. For some reason that was just in the back of my head they had a Transformers game in two thousand and fourteen. So they do so many games, man. It's got they got like two thousand fourteen they did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So they at least like um worked as a as a developer on eight games in twenty fourteen.
1: Yeah, it's kinda of crazy but yeah, when you look at that Wikipedia list, it's like at least on average, I'd say it looks like four games a year. On average, not not every year, but but <laughs> no. um, it's, it's pretty impressive for not something you would call a AAA studio, put it that way. Yeah. Um, keep you
2: better keep your lights
1: on. Yeah, well, that's why there's probably so many licensed games there. Yeah, definitely. Easy money. Well, easy money, money. Let's let's yeah. just call it money. <laughs> <laughs> um, they work.
2: They get the money. They pay the bills, and the more products, and they get the more money. And they make Shantae games with it. You've got, keep, yeah. you've got to keep Putin happy. Keep Putin yeah. happy. Putin <laughs> loves uh, Shantae. And yeah, why wouldn't yeah. he? he?
1: Wants not to love.
2: She's got great nah. hair, and he's got none. It's just she's trying. To, he's trying to get something he doesn't have from the game. You know, really, a real different immersion.
0: Living vicariously through video games. Yes,
2: yes. Just whipping that hair. God, he loves it. Anyway. <laughs>
0: On on that note, I think (laughs) unless there's unless there's any other topics, I guess thoughts you guys have on twenty twenty three coming up, or any final thoughts on the year that has been twenty twenty two, it's probably time to wrap up the show for this episode. Zach, any final thoughts?
3: Drew, Uh, all I'll say is (laughs) I, I
1: think I kind of feel like we're now like hopefully, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like last year might be the the end of the transition back to normalcy, you know, ignoring, I mean, the pandemic's still happening. I'm not um, one of those people that pretends like COVID's gone away, you know, this is no longer around, but it definitely feels like, you know, we got some live events back last year. We got some announcements and I think we're going to start to see that now, just go back to the way it was pre-COVID. I think that's good. Um, I think it'll make it an exciting year, hopefully not just in terms of releases but showing off what's gonna come in the future. Uh, you know, start to see more already seeing it consoles on the shelves so people can actually buy them uh and engage in the games they want to play. So let's just hope that's the case.
3: Yeah.
2: And like for me, twenty twenty two was was a great year, but there was like some spots in between, some months that so were a little bit you know, a little bit barren in that. And for me, that was great. I didn't mind, (laughs) especially if you're you're trying to keep up when it comes to um, doing content or whatever. But this year, I don't see too many gaps. And there's a bit of a gap in April I can see at the moment. And I I reckon it's going to be filled up pretty quick. So there's so many games out this, this year. We're going to have nothing, no lack of just great games to play, which I'm really looking forward to. There's going to be so many. I just gonna spend a lot of time with hopefully. Or I might just get overwhelmed with it and just go and hide and play nothing. It's
1: okay, Drew. April's gonna be uh Mario uh Slugger's uh super turbo no, home bro. run hit and
2: it's gonna be very underwhelming. <laughs> ah good. That means I can just completely ignore it this time. Yeah they've
0: yeah. they have they have taken strikers and just replaced all the soccer balls with
2: uh, baseballs. Well, you may as well at this point. <laughs> Might as well just take away the soccer ball and just like, alright, no 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 fun for you, cheeky mushroom characters. So it would have been just as fun. What a game. It's like, yeah, they'll they'll <laughs> add Pauline
1: and Daisy as playable characters in May and then July just to, to help, you know, ease the pain. Uh oh, and it did And that's it. <laughs> it did. Daisy was
2: like, Oh well, wow, this game's great. Finally. And
0: there'll be <laughs> a new stadium. Uh, yeah, everyone will be keen.
2: Yeah, no, it'll be purple. Everyone's was all, wow. Yeah, no, 2023 is going to be awesome. going to be great. Got a lot of games to play that aren't Mario Strikers or Sluggers or what's the, what's the combination? Hoops. Oh, hoops. Strike and slurs. Oh, don't bring Slug. back hoops and ruin that. <laughs> that was a great game. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring back all the Mario Sports games, which are awesome. Bring back tennis, fuck that up. Bring back Strikers, ruin that. Yeah. It doesn't ruin hoops while you're at it too. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, you've put me on a tangent, damn. God damn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, if it, for regular listeners of blowing cartridges, they know Tangents are the name of this show.
1: Uh, I thought, oh, well, I mean, the name's blowing cartridges, but anyway, we'll, we'll move on. The show the show's <laughs> called
2: Tangents.mp3. Man, have you ever
1: considered, <laughs> I mean, you can make your username Tangents. Oh, you thought about that? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, on that note, Zach, if people like this podcast and want to find <laughs> us or find the podcast, where where can they find us? and
1: contact uh, us? Yeah, we're still on Twitter. Uh, I think we're at the point where we all thought we were going to leave Twitter, and no one really left. Uh, so um,
2: <laughs> that's so funny.
1: But yeah, you can find us at Blowcart Pod there and Facebook uh, as well as email us at blowingcartridge at gmail dot com. And you can reach out to myself at Egarino on Twitter, and of course, uh, not at Tamgent, but at Tamazoid on Twitter is where you can
0: find Brendan. <laughs>
2: yeah, does anybody have Tamgen? That's, uh, yeah, that's the next go, thing. Go, go get, book it now. Yeah, it.
0: It. I better go. Back. <laughs> I'll make another account just to squat it. I think. That's has Gotta protect you know, that um, intellectual property. Take it problem. further.
1: And it could be like a really dapper, like you'd have like you with a mustache and like a, a monocle or a top hat it's like I, you're I a have gent, a mustache, like a gentleman. There you go. You got the icon almost half done. Just go find a top hat and you're there. Got
2: uh, the icon done. Just his appearance. He's the icon. Yeah.
0: Uh, and uh, most importantly, Drew, our special guest for this episode. Where can people find you? And I think we probably didn't really um, introduce you properly because we assume that people who listen to this podcast know who you are. But uh, <laughs> you do run the Great uh, House of Mario podcast, and I know you have uh, some streaming and YouTube uh, also ventures as well. So I guess briefly, where can we find? You? Where can people find you? And sort of, what are you working on at the moment?
2: Um, well, you can mainly find me on. Uh, was it Twitter, YouTube and TikTok. Actually I'm at a TikTok today at IDRuby. I I was against TikTok for a long time, but since I'm doing the YouTube shorts and out on YouTube, I'm like, well I might as well just post them over here too. I don't really want to use it because I'll get sucked down the rabbit hole of just seeing <laughs> dumb videos. But um uh, go and watch my dumb videos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um yeah, I'm basically this year I'm putting a lot more effort into video content um to try and, you know, make it a bit more of a, of a thing in my life to try and eventually go part-time with it um, that's my goal anyway not it's not going to happen over the next year or two but as a long-term goal that's something i'm definitely aiming for so i'd love to have you over at youtube.com slash idruby if you um, like nintendo and video game content I hope hopefully i can keep you entertained that way and of course the house of mario which will be on that youtube channel but it's also on podcast services that's where we we'll go over basically what games i'm playing all the current events and Everything going on in the world of Nintendo, and I uh, discuss it there. So, if you're interested, go and check it out. But, boys, it's been an absolute blast being on this show. I always love being on Blowing Cartridges, even though I've only been on once before, but it's always a good time. Feels like I've been on more, but I guess not. <laughs> it's that, that weird pandemic. Uh, yeah. Like, it's just like throwing
1: time and concepts. Plus, like, you know, Brendan and I have been on your show a yeah, couple of, of times. So it yeah. all blurs together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like who who are we recording for today? I can't remember. Uh, it's like <laughs> one of us.
2: Yep. Yeah. No, it's been a lot of fun, and I really appreciate it. And I have to put the invite back to you guys again to come on to one of my shows again. Um. In yeah, the definitely. Near future.
1: For sure. And I, I think you know, for those who have maybe um not checked out Drew's channel since uh last time he was on, it's definitely um evolved and changed. And I think last year was a big year of change for the house of Mario. It's fair to say so. I definitely think it's worth, you know, checking back in and uh, seeing all Drew has to offer on his uh, not just the house of but all his content that he's uh, works very hard on and is, uh, you know, blows our um, blows our production values out of the water with, with the level of uh, effort and work he does. <laughs> no offense, Tam, to your editing skills, which are amazing, and I am grateful for them every week. <laughs> I
0: was about to say you can start editing, Zach, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Got a civil yeah. war going on. Yeah.
0: As long as Iron Man's on my side, I'll be all good.
2: Yeah, true. Yeah. Iron Man, Spider Man, no, that was a good team. Captain America holds his own though pretty well. So.
0: Yeah, and he had the Ant guy. The Ant guy's pretty good.
2: Oh yeah, when he went massive. That was he wasn't expecting that either. I was like, oh shit. When he saw Ant Man just get that big. Anyway. <laughs>
0: hey. Alright, with that, uh thanks for listening everyone and uh be sure to tune in to the next episode of Blowing Cartridges, which is hopefully, we, I know we say this every episode, but hopefully actually enters a sort of regular schedule cycle of releases. And until then, as always, I've been Brendan. Thanks for listening.